Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. My name is JD. If I haven't met you yet, I'm on the pastoral team and I'm excited to just kick off this new series Colossians. Random show of hands, have you read the book of Colossians? It's okay if you haven't, don't feel judged. I'm just curious, how many of you have read the book of Colossians? Interesting, okay. So, some of you have, some of you haven't, and uh, we are going to be going through uh, a chapter each week, just going through the book of Colossians and unpacking what it's all about, how this applies to our lives, what what is important to know, what this teaches us about God. And uh, if you are visiting or relatively new, it really shouldn't come as a surprise that at City Life, we really, really, really love Jesus. Like a lot. And that, that displays differently. For some of us, that's very lively. For some of you, it is like full on, you love Jesus with all your heart. I can't necessarily tell by your face, but I know it's true. Um, that's there's not a way that you have to express it, but there, there is just, it is a very vital part. We are all about Jesus, and we love him, and we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus, and we want to carry on the mission of Jesus to his world. That is our goal. That is our desire. And so, why Colossians? Well, I'm going to start with a quote from a guy named Salvato. He said, it has been said that if you want to understand the true nature of Jesus Christ, you should study the first chapter of John's gospel, the 19th chapter of Revelation, and the book of Colossians. If you have those three under your belt, you will have a solid understanding of who Jesus is and what he desires to do in our world today. If you love Jesus, if you've been a Christian for a while, read the Colossians. Well, to be really fair, I don't think there's a time limit on this, but I think it's worth saying, if you are a Christ follower and you've been following for quite a while, if you haven't read the full Bible, like you need to read the whole thing. This isn't just like, I'm going to pick and choose verse of the day. Like, get the Bible in you. You got to know what you are all about, what you are a part of, and that's so important. So read the Bible. Read Colossians this week. That's some great homework, too, as we we go through this. But Paul's letter, it's broken into four chapters. The first two are about the supremacy of Christ, and the next two are about submission to Christ. And Paul's purpose is to show that Christ is preeminent which is a big fancy word basically saying superior, first and foremost, above everything. That is his whole goal. It's just like Jesus, way up here, way above everything else. And a Christian's life should reflect that priority. That should be our goal. Hopefully that becomes evident in us that Jesus is the number one priority in our lives and it shows in every area of our life we are rooted in him we are alive in him we are hidden in him we are complete in him we cannot live without him jesus is first he is above all there is no add-ons it is just jesus in fact why don't you just say it just say just jesus that's that's what i'm calling this message today because that's just what i'm going to hit is just jesus just jesus that is what we need that is what uh grounds us and it, it is highly likely that there are people here you might be following jesus but not just jesus the reality is and this is why we do self-checks this is why david says in the bible things like examine my heart lord see what you know if there's anything within me that shouldn't be there some of us some of you maybe have got Jesus and. Like, oh, I love Jesus, 
but I'm Jesus and I've embraced this secular philosophy, or I, Jesus and whatever this one TikTok preacher is, is reinterpreting, or Jesus and this mysticism aspect, or, you know, like there's, and, and if we're not careful, we're adding to something that shouldn't be added to. Uh, Bible teacher Warren Wearsby, he explained it like this, the message of Colossians is greatly needed today. I hear too many voices telling me that I need something more than Jesus Christ. Some exciting experience, some new doctrine, some addition to my Christian experience. But Paul affirms that what I need is appropriation of what I already have in Christ, and you are complete in him. I also hear voices that want to judge me and rob me of the glorious liberty I have in Christ. How encouraging to hear Paul say, no, let no man beguile you, let no man spoil you, let no man judge you. The fullness of Christ is all that I need, and all man-made regulations and disciplines cannot replace the riches I have in God's Son. Yeah. Just Jesus. Say, just Jesus. I'm a kid's pastor. I like to hear the, there's always the, the key phrase, say it back to me, kids. Uh, it, it's good. It's retention. It's getting us in it. And if that's what you walk away with today, those two words, that's all you really need. Uh, so I'm going to read and preach all of Colossians 1, all 29 verses, and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, because, because the reality is that the problems we face today are no different than what was faced in Colossae, uh, because what Paul says to them is what we need to hear today. Um, Paul wrote this around 60 AD, uh, writing to the church in Colossae, calling them out. Now, they weren't deep in perverted sin like some of the other churches he writes to. Hello, you can read some of those letters, and it's like, stop sleeping with your stepmom. Or, like, there's some, it, he addresses some big things. This isn't perverted sin, whatever, but, he, but he's addressing the fact that the church there, many within the church were beginning to embrace Jesus and. They were bringing in these other, like, Gnostic things that were never meant to be there, and he's like, eh, this needs to be nipped at the bud, like we got to stop this. And so that's what we're going to look at. And if you believe in Jesus, or sorry, if you do not believe in Jesus, if you're not all in, well, I just want to say that it's better to know now the level of commitment required. It's good to know up front how serious, it's not like Jesus sprinkled on your life, it's just Jesus. Like, it's good to know what you would be getting into. If you believe in Jesus and you follow him fully, this is a great reminder to never slow down and never lose sight. And if you have been dabbling with Jesus and, I really do actually hope today is a warning to you that it's going to cost you to try and add things or pick and choose about Jesus what you want. It will not work. It will poison your life. Uh, and the generations. You know, thank you, Cassie, for just even, like, establishing that in the song today and stuff, just, like, just thinking beyond ourselves and what we're believing for, just Jesus. If you can claim just Jesus in your life and keep it pure and rooted like that, it is going to have amazing long-term effects for us. So, let's jump into this. We're going to go through Colossians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an emissary of Jesus the anointed, serving at God's pleasure, along with our brother Timothy, to you, Dear holy and faithful brothers and sisters in the family of the anointed who live in Colossae, may grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, envelop you. So Paul introduces himself as an emissary, which just means like a representative, an ambassador, who is serving at God's pleasure. Fun fact, does anyone happen to know where Paul is writing this letter, when, where he is when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. I am serving at God's pleasure. <laughs> Love this guy. This guy is... Wow. 
Paul specifically calls out the faithful brothers and sisters. So he's talking to those because, again, in Colossae, there's a lot of like weird stuff happening, and he's talking to the ones who haven't embraced false teaching of like a progressive Christianity. Oh, I'm adding this. I'm changing this. I want this. And he's, he's saying to them, it's like, you haven't embraced Jesus and like many others have, and so I want to encourage you to stick with it. The first century religious environment is much like our own today, religious mixing. I'm going to borrow a little from here. I'm going to borrow a little from here. Oh, I like what this religion teaches about that. That seems nicer than what Jesus said here. And I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm literally going to make, as the phrase goes, my truth. That's not Jesus. Jesus is the truth, the way, the life. He's everything we need. And anyways, it's important for us to realize Paul knows this, so he wants to encourage those still focused on just Jesus. Say just Jesus. Verse 3, as always, we've been praying for you, thanking God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the anointed, ever since we heard of your faith in Jesus, the anointed, and your love for his holy ones, a faith and love that emerge from the hope you have heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, the very hope that awaits you in heaven. The same gospel that was brought to you is growing and bearing fruit all over the world, just as it has been growing among you since the day you heard and took in the truth of God's grace from our beloved fellow servant, Epaphras, who we scholars think he, he was probably like the local pastor there. He is a faithful minister of the anointed on our behalf, and he was the one who told us how you demonstrate your love in the power of the Spirit. Demonstrate your love in the power of the Spirit. And he says there, faith, hope, and love. A faith and love that emerge from the hope you've heard. Now, we've, we've probably heard that phrase before, faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. Faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love. Now, admittedly, we live in a weird world that has hijacked the word love and says a phrase that doesn't even make sense, love is love. That phrase literally doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> God is love. And he knows what real love looks like, and it's just become something, ah, love is love. Like, what does that mean? That means nothing. Uh, and, and so it's become something different. And yet the Spirit empowers us, and this, we're going to see what happens right here, but I just, I, I felt very strongly as, as I was praying, there's something about this, this section, this point that I think is really important. The Spirit empowers us to love God's way, which is holy, pure love that is untainted by a twisted world. Now, statistically, the majority of the world doesn't believe that biblical love is the best version of love. They each have their own opinion on what love is. Uh, so often, our conversations look like this. So I'm going to put up a picture here. Thank you, team. Every conversation on morality in the modern world, secular society, we want to do X, the church. You are free to do it, secular society. But you think X is wrong, the church. Yes, secular society, because you want to control us the church. No, you are free to do what you want, secular society. But you think X is wrong, the church. Yes, but only because we want your ultimate good, which is the definition of love, secular society. But we want to do X, the church. You are free to do it, secular society. But we want you to say that X is good, the church. We cannot say that, secular society. Why do you hate us? <laughs> it's way too true. Oh, it's such a frustrating conversation. <laughs> we love you. We want what's best for you. No, you hate us because you won't just, yeah. Oh. Know this. I really, this is for me maybe more than anyone, but you can love people 
and not agree with them. You can love with the love that the Spirit empowers us to give. You can love people without affirming their life, their choices, their beliefs, all of those things. You actually, and, and, and the world would say, no, you can't. You don't love me unless you affirm this, this, and this about me and agree. You have to agree with what I say. And there's just like, if I can boil it down to like one thing I feel God to- told me over like COVID, as the world went, became a, just a big dumpster fire. I just felt like the, the thing I just had to remind was literally, I would just say to myself, no, I don't. You have to do this. Nah, 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 nah. No, I don't. I am calmly. I got just Jesus. It will work out. It's worked out for 2,000 years. I'm going to stick with this. Just Jesus. And it actually will be the best way I could possibly love you. That's not easy because people are emotional and we all are and we all know this, you know, if you, you hate me if you don't, but no, no, I'm going to put God first, just Jesus, and out of that, I'm going to show you genuine love, but genuine love doesn't always mean that I agree with everything you say or do or whatever. That won't be easy. Parents, we know that won't be easy as our kids get older too, and they become their own people, and they make their own choices. There's going to be times where it's like, I don't agree... I don't agree with this. I'm going to try and love you. I'm going to stay grounded in just Jesus and love you. It's this weird tension where it's like, oh, this might cost, this might add some tension, but I'm going to stay right here. I know you're, "Ah, whoa, look what I discovered. Whoa, you know, and you're just like, just Jesus. I still love you. I'm going to try and love you even though you don't think I'm loving you because I'm not just like, good job. Yeah, light that fire in your life. No. But I have also seen the other side. I've seen, and just specifically for parents or what, you know, the family where it's just like, oh, well, I don't want to lose this relationship, so I will change what I, and I will adapt this and da, 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 to maintain this. But then you like give up your soul and you're giving up the truth of Jesus for something that, that can't last. It's not easy. It's not an easy tension. There is no way to perfectly navigate this, but if we could determine in our hearts, just Jesus, I'm just going to stand here. Oh, I know that this is going to alienate me from my coworkers. Oh, I know this is going to cause tension in my family. Oh, I know this is going to do this and this and this, but I'm just determined, just Jesus. God, you can work with this. You are more important than what other people think about me. I believe you can work through this, and I do believe as well that there will be families that will be restored, kids coming back, or family members or spouses where it's like, you know what? Thank you for not just following me down this weird trail. Thank you for being faithful. I, I woke up. I came back to the true, the truth. And so anyways, well, with all that said, we can't do Jesus and. We can't take God's truth and just turn it into something else. We need just Jesus, and Paul knows it. And he knows it takes more than just words and reminders and a fancy speech on a stage. It takes prayer. And so he prays a very powerful prayer um, that I'm going to read right away. The cool thing, too, there's a lot of good prayers. There's four or five prayers that Paul has in the scriptures uh, that are, if, you, if you're like, what should I pray over my kids? Sometimes just take those and literally just pray those verses. They are powerful things. You could pray this over your kids. I'm going to pray this over all of us at the end. But uh, right now, Colossians 1 verse 9, since the day we got this good news about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We ask, Father, may they clearly know your will and achieve the height and depth of spiritual wisdom and understanding. May their lives be a credit to you. Oh, that's so good. May their lives 
be a credit to you, Lord. And what's more, may they continue to delight you by doing every good work and growing in the true knowledge that comes from being close to you. Strengthen them with your infinite power according to your glorious might so that they will have everything they need to hold on and endure hardship and patiently, or hardship patiently and joyfully. So what do we need? We need to know God's will. We need to gain wisdom and understanding. How should we live? We should credit God with our lives. We should delight God with our actions. We should grow with God in our time spent with him. Then we will have everything we need to coast through life. No. Then we will have everything you need, wait for it, to endure hardship (laughs) patiently and joyfully. There is no magic get out of dumpster fire life free card that we we are in the world but god is saying i don't you don't have to be consumed by this uh i can walk you through this you can endure hardship patiently and joyfully and we need to remember that and joy it doesn't it's not some morbid happiness as the world goes up in flames like you've probably seen that meme with like that dog at the table and everything's on fire this is fine (laughs) it's not joy is not pretending everything is great it is, uh, there's actually a fantastic definition I found. It says, this set, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life and the determined choice to praise God in all things. So it's less about a feeling and more about a determined choice and a settled assurance. He continues his prayer in verse 12. He says, Uh, Thank you, Father, as you've made us eligible to receive our portion of the inheritance given to all those set apart by the light. You have rescued us from dark powers and brought us safely into the kingdom of your Son, whom you love and in whom we are redeemed and forgiven of our sins through his blood. This is the great transfer. This is the uh, beautiful exchange where we have been redeemed, bought bought at a price, paid by Jesus on the cross, to remove the barrier of sin that separated us from God. We have been rescued from dark powers. That's a whole message on its own. It's real. I can tell you all my stories about exorcisms and demon encounters and all that. There is a dark powers at work, but we have been rescued from those and we've been brought into the kingdom of light. We've been redeemed. Our ownership has been transferred. We are freed. We are forgiven. That is what Jesus did. Now Paul is going to spend the rest of this chapter unpacking who Jesus is. So quick disclaimer, you really can't embrace what he's about to say half-hearted. Like, books like Colossians, books like John, the Gospel of John, they demand that you make a choice. You read it, it demands. It's like, you got to decide if this is all malarkey or if this is genuinely true. you gotta, you got to make a choice. So, verse 15 It says this, he is the exact, Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation, the eternal. It was by him that everything was created, the heavens, the earth, all things within and upon them, all things seen and unseen, thrones and dominions, spiritual powers and authorities. Every detail was crafted through his design by his own hands and for his purposes. He has always been. It is his hand that holds everything together. That is a bold statement. Jesus is not some nice guy who lived and died 2,000 years ago. He's not just some random prophet or whatever. He is the exact image of the invisible God. He is the likeness, the manifestation fully revealed. The Jesus of the New Testament is the same as the God of the Old Testament. 
And some people are like, they are totally two different things. Like Jesus is nice with the lamb around his shoulders all the time and God's like opening the earth and like swallowing thousands of people. Jesus said, I, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Like I, our, our, our will is one, I, am, I do the will of the Father. He, Jesus is both the Son of God and God. I love that that does not, like my brain's like, what? No. I love that our God is so big that I can't fully comprehend it. Verse 18. Jesus. He is the head of the, this body, the church. He is the beginning, the first of those to be reborn from the dead, so that in every aspect, this is so good, in every aspect, at every view, in everything, he is first. He is first. God was pleased that in all its fullness should, be forever, should forever dwell in the Son, who is predetermined by God, bled peace into the world. I just love that phrase. That is a weird phrase, but that is like deeply poetic. Bled peace into the world by his death on the cross as God's means of reconciling to himself the whole creation, all things in heaven, and all things on earth. Jesus is the head of his body which is a church. We, as Melissa said, we just finished a series on Heart for the House. His body is very important. His church. He loves his church. Uh, Joy mentioned a couple weeks ago when she was speaking, she said, it is possible that someone could love Jesus and not go to church, but it is not probable. And I was just like, man, there's something about Jesus building his church and the importance of it. And I really think, I was thinking about this, and you know, in my 42 years of church life, gone to church all my life, I don't know a single person who stopped going to church and still has Jesus as a number one priority in their life. Like, I, I don't know a single person who is just like, oh yeah, they're still just like, boom, Jesus, but they don't ever go to church. I haven't seen it. That's sobering. It's sobering. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. And we could, you know, you could try and say, it's like, I love Jesus, but I don't really need his church. But his church is his body. So let me ask you a question then. If you want Jesus without his body, are you walking around with a decapitated Jesus? I thought of doing a visual aid, but I thought that was a bit too much. Are we walking around with a decapitated Jesus? I love all this about Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with his church. You can't have it. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. They are one. They are together. They are meant to be together. Now, I do believe that the church is super important. With that said, you also can't make church your idol. And as a, as a quick thing, this is just a, a me thing. Uh, God really called me on this in my first year of coming to City Life when I was 18 because, you know, I was, a, I was a very shy, insecure person, but I was really finding myself coming out of my shell, making lots of friends. Pastor Mike was using me as, in sermon illustrations almost every week. I got to come up on stage. It was like this big thing, and I was loving it. It was like, church is the best. But for a while, it was like, church is the best. Oh, yeah, Jesus too. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Don't make it an idol. Here's, here's why. Fullness isn't found in church attendance, Christian fellowship, peer acceptance, religious experiences, programs, or a building. Fullness is found in Christ alone, just Jesus. Say just Jesus. Verse 21, you were, at, you were once at odds with God, wicked in your ways and evil in your minds. Oh, Paul, you saucy little man. 
you were once at odds with God. He's just telling it like it is. Wicked in your ways, evil in your minds, but now he has reconciled you in his body, in his flesh through his death, so that he can present you to God, holy, blameless, and totally free of imperfection. Thank you. I'll take that. Good timing. Our stage team is so good. They're just like waiting for the right time to bring stuff. Thank you, guys. Holy, blameless, totally free of imperfection, as long as you stay planted in the faith. So don't venture away from what you've heard and taken to heart, the living hope of the good news that has been announced to all creation under heaven and has captured me, Paul, as its servant. Holy, blameless, and pure. This is, this is a visual that makes sense in my head. I, I'm hoping this will work for you guys. But to me, when I think of this, often when we're like, okay, the Christian journey, the Christian journey, okay? It's like, I've got a, okay, I'm here, and I'm starting to follow Jesus, and uh, okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Ooh, look, it, I got some points. Doing good. Leveled up. Okay, now I'm, uh, I'm praying more. Okay, I'm, I'm working there. I'm doing so good. Oh, shoot, I fell back into that and got hammered this weekend or something. And, oh, I lost points with Jesus. Now I got I to, gotta, okay, I'm going to try really hard and work my way back up because I'm trying to get to here. I'm trying so hard to get to here. In fact, many of the world, most of the world religions, that is what you have to do. You work to get to where you need to go. And yet, the difference of Christianity, the difference of Jesus, is that he just makes the bar. And he says, holy, blameless, and pure. Guess what? When you say yes to Jesus, you get to start right there. And there's two words I think we need to know. They're Christianese words. Justification, sanctification. Justification is being justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Jesus, when we say yes to him and we, 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 we accept what he's done and, and let, us, let him forgive us of our sins, it's just as if we've never sinned and we get to all of a sudden, what I am through the, through the lens of Jesus, I am holy, blameless, and pure. This is amazing sanctification is the working out of our faith. So we got to learn. You don't just magically, it's like if you pray a prayer today, you are not magically perfect and, and this totally different, you're still going to struggle with the same kind of thing. Some, sometimes they, they, God does lift them incredibly, but lots of times you got to work through stuff. And so it becomes less of, I got to work hard to get to Jesus. And it's more of, I am, I get to be holy, blameless, and pure through the lens of Jesus. And when I make a mistake, I am by my own admission, pushing myself away from where I'm supposed to be. I'm allowing sin to come in and sin wedges me away from God because God is perfect and can't be with sin. And so I might wedge myself away, but the beautiful thing is sanctification, working out my, my salvation, is I get to continually repent and come back to where he needs me to be. Oh, oh, I fell away again. Ah, oh, shoot, I haven't read my Bible in a week. Or da, da, da. And it's not because I got to get points to get right with Jesus. No, no, no. I want to be where he wants me to be, pure, holy, and blameless. I want to I wanna know him. I want to follow him. And so it becomes, at least in my head, this is how I see my walk with Jesus. Not this. Not working so hard. God, please love me. Like, uh, yeah, well, I was trying to think of it as like weird ways of seeing it. It's like you don't chase after God like, like Gollum and Frodo, like, good master, kind master. You're, you loves me, master. Be nice to me, master. Don't hurt me, master. God. Right? It's not like that. It's more like, it's like course correction. It's like a reminder. It's like, it's like Simba and Mufasa. Remember who you are. 
You, you're, you've got lost. You've, you've, you're out in the wilderness. Remember. Come back. That's to me more what it's like. It's a journey not to become good enough, but to learn how to consistently step into and walk in the fullness of Christ. Oh my. Oh, holy, blameless, and pure. If you look at those verses again. He presents us to God, holy, blameless, totally free of imperfection. And notice, though, that it's not the end of, it's the end of the verse, but it's not the end of the sentence. As long as you stay planted in the faith. So there is a process. You will be holy, blameless, you are these things. Just stay planted in the faith. Stay planted. Keep following. It's not a one-time deal. It's perseverance. Paul tells us, don't venture away. Don't get sucked up in other things. Just follow Jesus. Just Jesus. Be reminded. Just Jesus. Storms will come. Distractions will come. But you can stand on 2,000 years of historical Christianity when someone's like, did you see that new TikTok thing? And they totally debunked it. They totally debunked this verse and, da, 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 and it actually means this. It's like, mm, no, I'm going to stick with 2,000 years of church history. I, I believe I, I can stick with this. I'm sticking with this. And so as, as, we, as we get close to wrapping up here, Colossians 1.24, it says, Now I rejoice in what I've suffered on your behalf, but even more suffering is ahead for me as I take on and complete what remains of the anointed suffering for the sake of his body, the church. I am a servant appointed by God to preach the word of God until it is known to you and all over. What I am talking about is nothing less than the mystery of the ages. What a great term. What was hidden for ages, generations and generations, is now being revealed to his holy ones. He decided to make known to them his blessing to the nations. The glorious riches of this mystery is the indwelling of the anointed in you. So what is this mystery he's talking about? A mystery you can't know unless you say yes to Jesus. It is the indwelling of God's presence in your life and what it brings to your life. It is a mystery that can only be made known as God makes it known. You can't figure it out on your own. It's the mystery of the ages. And then he ends with this in verse 28. We are preaching him, Jesus, spreading the word to all with equal amounts of wise warning and instruction so that at the final judgment, we'll be able to present everyone to the creator fully mature because of what Jesus the anointed, our liberating king, has done. This is why I continue to toil and struggle. I think this is why any of us, this applies to any of us, this is why I continue to toil and struggle because his amazing power and energy surge within me. I believe in Jesus. I believe in just Jesus. Whatever kind of target that puts on me, I am committed to just, I am all in. Jesus, I want you. I want to follow you. I believe that you are the fullness of life. I don't need Jesus and I don't need to add anything else. I have everything I need in Jesus. And that is what Paul was preaching, just Jesus. That faith and love emerge from hope that comes from the gospel. That Jesus is the exact image of an invisible God. That he is the head of his body, the church. That you were once at odds with God, but Jesus reconciled you through the cross so that he can present you to God, holy, blameless, and pure. But you must stay planted in the faith. Don't venture away from what you've heard and take heart. Why don't we stand? We need to remember, it's not Jesus and, it's just Jesus. And that's not always an easy thing, but it's something we need to just determine. The world is going to try and sell you on Jesus and, and you, the best thing you can do is to stubbornly say, nope, just Jesus. 
that is enough. That is the fullness. And I can properly love out of that. I can do this and this and this out of that. I can walk in that way. And as we finish back, I want to back up to one verse. He is the head of the body of the church. And it says, uh, he's the beginning, the first of those to be reborn from the dead, so that in every aspect, at every view, in everything, he is first. This is what we need today. In every aspect of your life, Jesus is first. In every view you hold, social, economic, your political views, Jesus is first. In everything about your life, your marriage, your dating, your friendships, your parenting, your wallet, he is first. And that's what we need to do. We need to be reminded of Jesus. So just take a second. Lord, I just thank you as we wrap up that we would that we would be encouraged that just Jesus is all we need. That you are the fullness, you are the likeness of God, you are everything we could ever need in life. And I want to wrap up by praying. I'm going to pray again what Paul prayed, but I want to pray it over us. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, this is a moment for you to believe the prayer that I pray, to agree with it in your heart, and make the same decision that the fullness of life is found in Jesus. And so this is my prayer that I'm going to pray over us as I wrap up. Father, may we clearly know your will and achieve the height and depth of spiritual wisdom and understanding. May our lives be a credit to you, Lord. May we continue to delight you by doing every good work and growing in the true knowledge that comes from being close to you. Strengthen us, Lord. Can we just put out your hands for a minute? This is our prayer. Strengthen us, Lord, with your infinite power according to your glorious might so that we will have everything we need to hold on and endure hardship patiently and joyfully. God, we can't do it without you. Thank you, Father, as you've made us eligible to receive our portion of the inheritance given to all those set apart by the light. You have something so great for us, God. And you've rescued us from dark powers, brought us safely into the kingdom of your Son, whom you love and in whom we are redeemed and forgiven of our sins through his blood. All we need is just Jesus. In your name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.